Good vibrations, take one. You're listening to Good Vibrations, a Beach Boys music program, sponsored by Endless Summer Hi, welcome to episode 24 of Good Vibrations, a music program. I'm your host, David Beard. And today, in anticipation of the June 8th release, the Beach Boys with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, I've conducted interviews with Brother Records president and executive producer on the new project, Jerry Schilling, producers Nick Patrick and Don Reedman, and Beach Boys Mike Love and Al Jardine. Each of them have come together to let us know what their thoughts are. And now, I do want to point out before we get started, there are webisodes that are up. If you go to the Face Beach Boys Facebook page, there are webisodes that you can watch of Mike Al, Bruce, and Brian as they talk about the album. And you can hear song samples there as well. But I'd like to get started, and I do want to give you kind of a heads up. Mike Love's uh, cell reception as he was traveling in a car was spotty. So the quality, the sound quality on Mike's interview is just not as good and as easy to hear and make out as Jerry, Don, Nick's, and Al's. So I do apologize for that. And there's the occasional atmospheric sound. And I think early on here as we get into Jerry's interview, which we're going to start things off with, you do hear me messing with the phone, and I uh, apologize for that too. But uh, all in all, a really fascinating story, and I hope you enjoy this because it's it's going to link it all together for you and help you get a background, a better appreciation of how it starts from A to Z and how this album came together. And it, there's a few interesting things along the way, and as you might imagine, if you know anything about Jerry Schilling's background, it all kind of begins with Elvis. Take me back a little bit in time to kind of help myself and the fans understand uh, your experience of working with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and okay. and how those experiences have led you to this project. Well, I don't know, maybe two and a half years ago, David, uh, probably six months or so before the original Elvis album, If I Could Dream, was released. I was having dinner with Priscilla Presley, who was executive producer on that. I think it was Don Reedman, the producing team, Don and, and Nick Patrick, but I think it was Don Reedman. I'm not quite sure that it flew with the record company. I, and when I say I'm not quite sure, I'm not quite sure, but it wasn't the idea really started taking off when Priscilla, knowing Elvis's love for symphonic music, she took it to the record company. And as the record was being recorded, uh, she would play me tracks and say, you know, wouldn't Elvis love this? Which he would have. And it finally got together, did tremendous, as you probably know, Europe, UK, Australia, Ireland, number one, and generated, well, and then it generated a second album called The Wonder of You. Because of the success of the album and the follow-up, it started a tour called The Wonder of You Tour that played the O2 in the UK, but did a whole tour through England, through Europe, Priscilla was the uh, MC and host of those tours. And those are going on today. 
uh, in different parts of the world. And it's a video of Elvis with the orchestra and a rhythm section and vocals. I was asked to do the tour in Australia uh, probably six months ago to be the MC and host. Now, my first meeting at Universal Music Group a year and a half ago, there were a couple of things that I proposed and, and that I wanted to do. Uh, the main thing with the record company was I wanted to do with the original existing vocals a Royal Philharmonic album with the Beach Boys. When I did the tour, when I hosted the tour uh, eight cities in Australia, the producer Don Reedman came out, who I think is originally from Australia. And I really got to know him, and we really talked Beach Boys. And we really pretty much put it together as far as a business situation uh, to start. On that Elvis tour, I really, I think we really pushed along. Here's producer Don Reedman. Yes, I went out to Australia when the Elvis tour was starting because, um, yeah, we'd come up with that idea of Elvis with the Royal Philharmonic. I just wanted, I thought his records deserved a much bigger production on certain songs, you know, um, keep the feel, but expand on the production, which he never really had, not like the Beach Boys had with the genius of, of, of Brian and everything. Um, and I, uh, the show was going to Australia, and Jerry was going to be playing the role of what Priscilla had been playing in terms of emceeing the show. And I, I wanted to go back home and, and see the concerts there, and uh, you know, my family, my friends, my old cousins, people I hadn't seen for years, I wanted to take them all along to the shows. And, uh, and I met Jerry in Adelaide, and that was when the first show I saw, because my sister lives in Adelaide. And got on great with him. I love him. He's a, he's a great guy. And I thought if anyone can pull the different the sides of the Beach Boys together, you know, because um, he's a man. He's like um, the Henry Kissinger of rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard it quite put that way, but yes, yes, he he, he he's a uh, he's kind of their savant in a, in a way. Yeah. Once again, executive producer Jerry Schilling. talked to Mike Love. Mike was, I don't know, he said, if, if you really, you know, really believe in that, you got to come down to Costa Mesa. We're playing with the Pacific Pops. I went down and I was blown away with the show, David. Uh, it was one of the best Beach Boy shows I've seen. It, rep it was totally representative of uh, Carl and Brian and Dennis and and uh, the orchestra was in a beautiful uh, kind of opera house, if you will, in Costa Mesa. I asked Mike Love then what he was thinking when he invited Jerry down to come see the symphonic show. Here's what Mike had to say. Well, he'd never seen um, us live with an orchestra in Southern California. Uh, I thought it would be very valuable for him to get a glimpse of that and listen to it. He was very impressed by it. I was really happy to see that he brought his experience to bear in doing something that's 
great for the Beach Boys, you know. These are all the original local performances that have been complemented by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra and the, the charts that were created specifically for those songs that are on the project. It was, for us, it's the easiest thing in the world. It's like, I'd say, like, it's a gift from heaven, you know, to be having a new album in 2018 that, that is, embodies vocal performances, um, some of those great songs, that many of the great songs we did in the 60s and on, up through Kokomo, in fact. You know, Kokomo was, uh, was I think, the most recent recording on that project, you know. Once again, executive producer Jerry Schilling. It just all started coming together, started making the negotiations. I think the most important thing certainly is the music, but that the band members, uh, Brian, Mike, and Al, and Bruce, uh, were, there was no, there was no selfishness about this. This was all about the music. And there were no problems with song selections. Uh, there were suggestions. There was input on the music, whatever. And it was totally, uh, if you will, harmonious. Mm-hmm. And that's why, besides it sounding great, I think this is going to be a great album. Because it's definitely, it's definitely the Beach Boys with, the, um, if you will, like Elvis, putting their great musical contributions just on a different level, opening up hopefully to uh, newer audiences and and the audiences that we have uh, will love it as well. It was great to have the record company really make a major investment in this both financially, both time-wise, and both creatively. Uh, Don and Nick Patrick, uh, I would talk to them on the phone from the studio, and, I mean, uh, and, you know, (laughs) this is nothing but a compliment to Elvis, but they feel that this is going to do even better than the Elvis albums because the Beach Boys' harmony Harmonies even lead more to a orchestra, uh, a symphonic sound. And then the next thing I did, I started to be, now we're bringing in uh, co-producer Nick Patrick. We've already heard from Don Reedman. We'll hear more from Don in just a little bit. And I also got the chance to speak to Nick Patrick, as I mentioned earlier. And now I'm starting to talk to these guys about what it's like, as Jerry was just pointing out, to work with six voices as opposed to one. Now, remember, the Royal Philharmonic has already put out releases three for Elvis, If I Can Dream, The Wonder of You, and then a Christmas album, one for Rory Orbison, and one for Aretha Franklin. Each of those is a solo singer. The Beach Boys, at times, on this collection, you have six vocals to deal with. And, of course, the amazing Brian Wilson arrangements. So let's get into that now. Here's producer Nick Patrick. With, with Elvis and Roy Orbison and Aretha Franklin, uh, they're solo singers. 
and and you'll notice if you, I mean um, if you listen to those records, they are, the orchestrations are much thicker, and they they've got more space to occupy. The real thing um, with the Beach Boys record, uh, and it was really um, a question of identifying this very very early on, is the musical space all those harmonies take up. They're almost symphonic. In, your, in their own right, without actually being traditionally orchestrally symphonic. They take up so much space in the track, uh, and there's such beautifully complex harmonies, and moving all the time against each other. So you have to be super, super sensitive to that. And really, we just, you know, in terms of orchestration, they're much simpler than the Elvis. Um, and the Robertson, and it's very, very important that that was, you know, was how we approached it. Because the one thing you do not want to do is start treading on those those, <laughs> those harmonies, and they, they 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 take up so much space. They're so complex that we really needed just to light them, rather than having a great wadge of a symphony orchestra crashing all over them. And so while the perception, you know, it feels like a symphonic record, actually. The orchestrations are much more subtle than they were perhaps on Elvis and Roy Orbison for the very reason that Brian Wilson's genius in those vocal arrangements was to to really they were they were as I said before they were they were pretty symphonic in terms of how those records sounded without actually having strings. I think God only knows was the only one that had some strings on it, and that was just small. And so I'd be very very careful. Uh, in terms of the sensitivities about orchestrating around those vocal arrangements, so they were taken and they were we just lit those with orchestral colours mm-hmm. um, uh, and stay right out of the way of the vocal arrangements. And it, so it, it was a challenge, um, but the challenge was identifying where the heart of that music lay, as it is with Elvis and and Roy. It's identifying what turns people on about that music, what makes it so special. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what that 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 was the approach, and and uh, I mean all those records, one has to individually approach them, and so they approached um, very much on an artist by artist basis. We really, it's really like making a new Beach Boys record. They could have been in the room with us, and it's all the same sensitivities you have when you're making a brand new record. Um, yeah. And so it was, it was really a question of recognizing that. Mm-hmm. And not doing anything that harmonically clouded the beauty of those those harmonies. Once again, here's producer Don Reedman. With four, five, six voices, like you had, there's like six different instruments there. So we brief our arrangers to really listen carefully to the vocals and to draw inspiration in the scoring of the arrangements, the, the scoring of the orchestra parts, draw inspiration from those vocal performances and from the vocal arrangements of those um, performances. So the orchestra are blending with them uh, rather than going, well, listen to what we've done, this is what you've done, try and make it, you know, gel together. It's really trying to get the orchestrations so there would be an extension and of the, the original vocals and just make them sound bigger, warmer, fresh. 
technology cleaning up the sound so they sounded fresh and and they do they sound so clean and youthful and they sound wonderful now I think I mean but I, we didn't want to over arrange and over orchestrate we were very mindful this is a very delicate record compared to Elvis Presley who had very little production and one big voice which you could put the, a big weight around him and he could carry it um, the Beach Boys is a more delicate sensitive approach the next thing I did is I asked Mike and Al Jardine their thoughts on how it turned out and their impressions in far as that merging and that marrying of sound here's Mike well I think I think it couldn't be a better combination of the original vocal performances of all, all the guys, you know, uh, with the, the orchestrations done specifically for these songs by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. It's, it's, I don't think you could have a better uh, situation. And it's like, I say this, like, get from heaven. Here's Al Jardine. It's kind of fun. It's fun and it's, and the recording's clear and, and uh, very, very nicely done. Very, very uh, uh, crisp, you know. Mm-hmm. Make some old, some old, uh, some old ideas that make some new again. Those guys deserve a huge amount of credit for, you know, for their expertise. I think, you know, mm-hmm. production, production value is amazing. The next thing I wanted to do is talk to both Nick and Don about working with the original tracks, because in addition to working with these vocals, they also used a lot of the original tracks throughout this collection. Here's Nick Patrick. There are some key things you'll notice on on, on the record that um, some of the intros are the original introductions. And there's lots of there's lots of little things. You know, take for example, I'll give you two 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 ends of the of, of, of the spectrum. Firstly, good vibrations, for example, is all we had to work with was a mono mix of the record, and so we were able to push up the vocals out of that mix via some of the technology that is available now, and then add on top of it additional instrumentation, exactly the same as what was played. And then those new elements are edited microscopically to fit hand in glove with the original elements. So you could push up the original track and the new track, and they would work absolutely together. And it's just to give us, the new elements are there to give us some contemporary sonics where on good vibrations, when you're dealing with a mono, a mono track, you've got no control over anything. And it enabled us to broaden it sonically, to make it sound more contemporary. I don't mean contemporary in terms of instrumentation, but in sound. So it sounds as if it was recorded today. It's super important that you, no one is ever aware of where the old stops and the new begins. And that's a very, very painstaking forensic editing job. And particularly so in Good Vibrations, because as I say, we only had a mono track. But on most of the other tracks, there was very little separation of the instruments. The vocals were sometimes spread out a little bit. But because of the way Brian Wilson layered up his productions in a sort of Phil Spector-type fashion, 
a lot of these songs were just were like a mono mono of the drums, bass, and a couple of other things, and then maybe two other tracks of instrumentation. So there wasn't a lot of space, and so the new elements that were added on had to follow the old exactly. And so all it does is it gives you a sense of it being renewed and refreshed, but also being the same. So the, the record feels the same, but it's completely different at the same time, were you to go back and, ref- and, and, and refer it to the original record. Once again, producer Don Reedman. It was really a blind taste um, to the, the um, symphonic arrangements. That's what we really tried to do. And with anything, we probably wanted to under-arrange and, and, and hear the record um, over-deliver in terms of blending it with the vocal sounds and the original um, sounds that we kept from the, from the original productions. We, we didn't want to just strip all those um, sounds away that were on the original recordings. We wanted to try and keep the uh, original sounds, instrumental sounds, and, um, and then, but make those gel and blend with the, uh, with the orchestral sounds. Um, that was the challenge, I think. Once again, Al Jardine. And not get, never getting in the way, but making it, enhancing it so that it sounds different mm-hmm. and new and, and refreshing. Yeah. Refreshing, that would be the word. It's a refreshing uh, experience to hear these songs again this way. So the next thing I wanted to talk to these guys about was the opening of the album. It's called California Suite. It's the only track that's kind of a Royal Philharmonic original. And I wanted to understand why it was put on there, because I really do like it. I'm a visual guy, and it's almost like if you're looking at the album cover, and if the album cover were a book, you'd be opening up, and this beautiful sound would kind of come out, kind of like a flower blossoming, if you will. But here are Nick, Al, and Don talking about the opening track. Right in the very beginning, um, we were talking about how to set this record up, how to set the scene. And we had this idea way before we even started recording about having a a sort of introductory suite. Initially, it was going to, you know, we we were going to have that and a whole lot of links, so it was almost conceptual. Um, But we need to be a little more commercial-minded than that. But we did have this idea to, to create an introduction for the album that set the scene, set the, set the, the atmosphere um, about, of, of what was to come. And um, we came up with that uh, California Suite. Uh, and I think, you know, and it was always an idea that California Girls was going to be the, the, the first track on the record. Mm-hmm. And we wanted something to lead into introduction, to set the scene, to hint at sort of what was to come. It felt symphonic, but once you got into the tracks, it it just felt like a Beach Boys record. The people didn't feel it was overly orchestrated, but was just sounds like a just set, so they just sounded great on it. And the way of getting into California Girls sets up the idea of the Beach Boys and the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. Once again. Al Jardine. I like that. I was I was quite impressed with that. Uh, it uh, again, it's a lighthearted uh, experience. Uh, 
vis-a-vis that, uh, what do you call it, uh, the uh, days, uh, the uh, days of the future past sensitivity, where you had a little bit of a prelude and interlude, whatever you want to call it. A lot of the songs have those little uh, vignettes in front and, and motifs. They'll give you a little motif so that you, you, it's a little hint as to what's to come. Mm-hmm. That's quite common in, in uh, uh, commonly done in you know or, orchestrated music. I mean, classical music, I should say, not orchestrated classical yeah. music. And it's and, and and again with pop music with uh, uh, Days of Future Past, for instance, uh, that wonderful treatment that they experimented with. And uh, the little motifs give you a little hint of what's to come. Once again, producer Don Reedman. The system, I really wanted to make pet sounds too, in, in terms of making the album really cohesive and and coming up with ideas, which we did like the California Suite, which we wrote that to set up the album so you feel it's going to be a big symphonic album, yet not over uh, played sort of arranged uh, complementing the artistry that was already in the originals and, and the amazing vocal arrangements that Brian did uh, so it's just getting the balance right but I, I wanted to set it up with the orchestra starting to open, open up so it's like a flower just blooming it just opens out and then goes into the album and then all the tracks flow together and you have the highs and lows but make the album feel as if all those songs were actually made to go together on this album. That that was the challenge that I wanted to try and achieve. And, and it was an influence from Pet Sounds. Uh, and I just want to make, for my part, with Nick and myself, try and give something to the Beach Boys that had a real completeness Yes, and in this new album, you'll find really does. It does feel whole. It does feel complete. Now, many people might just look at this and think, oh, it's just kind of a good, you know, a, you know, a greatest hits compilation or something like that. And I'll tell you from experience of listening to this now for about three weeks, the first time you listen to it and the samples that have been put out there online, like Fun, Fun, Fun and Good Vibrations, if you just listen to it, like, fun, 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 you don't really notice anything unique or distinctive if you just have it in the background or something, and it's just, oh, yeah, I know fun, fun, fun. I've heard this a lot. But if you go back and listen to the album from beginning to end and you let California Sweet begin the album and you're really kind of paying attention, listening to those nuances, and as it goes into California Girls... And as it slowly goes through California Girls into Wouldn't It Be Nice, then Fun, 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 then Don't Worry, Baby. And if you have these these album notes in front of you, which I've been um, had the benefit of, of having, you kind of get a sense of like, oh, my gosh, isn't this interesting? They've, they've actually got Dennis playing drums on the original track of this particular song. And, and oh, my gosh, they've got all the voices. And, and it, you know, and, and it's and it's like. Okay, so they kept this much of this song, but on this particular song over here, they they did more. And as you go through the whole collection, you realize there's more to even say songs like Fun, Fun, Fun. On the surface, again, just listening, you kind of don't really pick it up necessarily. But as you go, and the more you become familiarized with the album, and, you know, like you did at Pet Sounds all those years ago, if you're one of those people like myself who's put the headphones on, per Brian Wilson's recommendation, put the headphones on and listen to Pet Sounds. If you were to put the headphones on for this new album, The Beach Boys with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, 
you're going to find some neat little nuances that just aren't there if you're just kind of not, you know, you're just letting it play. And it's a very enjoyable play. But if you're really listening to the nuances and that orchestra and how well it's married together, and hopefully I hope that you've gotten a sense of, of that through this conversation so far. But now we're going to get into reactions. And I wanted to get into the reactions of, you know, unlike Roy Orbison and, you know, Elvis, uh, you know, they're not here to, to give feedback on their albums. Whereas, you know, although Carl and Dennis are no longer with us, Mike, Bruce, Al, and Brian are. And if you've seen those webisodes, you know how they feel about this new album. But I was able to get Mike and Al to talk a little bit about their reactions and, and what they think, and as well as get some feedback from uh, Jerry, Nick, and Don. So I thought that would be a nice way to close the show. Here we go. First up, here's Mike. There's only so many songs you can do on an album, unless it's a double album. And so uh, I'm, I'm fine with what they suggested. And there's still several songs that, that could be done on a second project were to uh, warrant, warrant that. It, it really is a, a, an amazing thing that here in 2018 we're, we're promoting an new album who has uh, our original what do you call it, vocal performances with the newness of the symphonic orchestrations with the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra, which is a very prestigious symphony orchestra, mm -hmm. no doubt about it. So it's, I think it's very special, and I think it should be highly entertaining to, you know, the, the fans of the Beach Boys, and maybe even... Uh, be quite interesting to people who are just casual listeners and stuff. To, yeah. And just appreciate it uh, in that way. Once again, Al Jardim. It must have been quite a job, you know, particularly uh, with... But with Pro Tools, you can do almost anything now. So that helps a lot. That's a, a really an amazing thing that they, could, they, they did. I noticed they did, they did recut a lot of the tracks from scratch, but that that's probably necessary. You know, mm -hmm. as well, depending on what what they're given, what they have to work with. You know, mm -hmm. you know, it, and and it, and it crisp, it's a lot more clear and crispy. It, it has a more present, I, I think, a more present uh, sound to it. Once again, Nick Patrick. They, the group, came up. Mike and Brian and and, and Bruce and, and and Al came up together with the uh, song list, which was very very important to shape the the emotional journey of the record. And so that was the, really the, the most important contribution uh, that they, 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 uh, they made to the record, um, which, you know, really set the, set the agenda about what tracks we were going to do and how it worked emotionally and how it fit, fit together. So the next thing I wanted to ask was co-producer Don Reedman, what it meant to him to have the approval of someone who's still here. When I was a kid growing up, and I loved them. I was in awe of, of the Beach Boys, the same as of, of, of Elvis and, and Roy. I never ever dreamed in a million years that I would be in the position where I am today to be able to give something back to the amazing uh, times that, that I've had from their music, but to give something of, of myself and, and, of, and share whatever the ability I've got with them and and to have them them accept it, oh, 
God, I was so nervous about what they would think about it. I knew we'd do our best, and but I was so nervous. And then when we heard the quotes and things, particularly from Brian and from Mike, um, oh, I almost. I got a bit emotional about it, to be honest. I, I was just so humbled by it. Here's Mike Love. It's it's uh, very, uh, what do you call it, tastefully done. But, I, you know, one of my favorite orchestrations is Bruce Johnston's uh, in Disney Girls, I think, came out beautifully. It really did. But, I mean, it's hard to complain about the warmth of the sun, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's gorgeous, and... You know, Brian's voice on Dory Baby from the original, oh my goodness, is he great or what? And Carlos and I only knows. There are so many great moments on, on the album. And they already had California Girls in there. Those those are two of my favorites. And I think, for me, California Girls is always, the intro has always reminded me of the symphonic orchestration, of, sure. of almost a prelude to the, to the actual song. Now, the last question I had, and I posed this to Al Jardine for a reason. I was watching uh, Al's webisode, you know, where he talks about Help Me Rhonda, and he talks about the album. And he talks about this new collection kind of being a light in the dark times that we live in. And I felt that was kind of poignant. You know, we live in a cynical time. We live in a very kind of, to put it, to use Al's word, dark time. And I enjoy listening to Beach Boys music because it's always been a light for me. It's always been a really kind of a beacon of sound, and it's, well, let's, <laughs> as opposed to listening to me tell you, I asked Al the same question. I posed the question to him, and here's what he had to say. Uh, I think the, uh, in our in international and, you know, national diplomacy, and just, just where we're headed, and uh, the, uh, the music seems to transcend that, you know, the, these very beautiful songs, uh, and and this uh, time in, in our evolution, I guess you'd say, it, we really need balance. And uh, and somehow this album seems to express that in a way. Mm-hmm. It has, expresses a certain uh, light, you know, a little bit of light there, a little bit of happiness, and something that we can all, I think everyone can enjoy, regardless of your taste in music or or your you know, your personal belief systems, you know, all that stuff has is, is become so polarized, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just seems like the music seems to transcend that. You know, it's really a nice little breath of fresh air. And uh, they've, they've, made, they've made something old new again, you know what I mean? Yes. The music has been around for a while. Yeah. And uh, it, just, uh, it just seems it's refreshing, and, and it's, I think, you know, it's a... So Don should be very proud, and, and his co-producer, and, and the arranger. Uh... Well, thanks, Sal. So. Good stuff. I hope you've enjoyed this, but we're not quite done yet. We're going to let the show close today with uh, Jerry Schilling. We began with Jerry, and we're going to end with, with Jerry. But I do want to point out, if you've enjoyed any part of these interviews, and you'd like to hear more, or you'd like to have more, you know, the summer 2018 edition of Endless Summer Quarterly Magazine will have the interviews with Mike Al, Jerry, Don, and Nick in their entirety. These are only excerpts that you're, you're getting to enjoy here in this, uh, new, this latest episode. So if you'd like to have the, these uh, interviews in their entirety, 
and hear everything the guys had to say, all the different things, all the different nuances, and, and how the album fully came together. Because, again, these are just excerpts of those interviews. Uh, Endless Summer Quarterly is a Beach Boys publication of record. It's been around since 1987. And it's easy enough to find. So you just head, if you're on Facebook or social media, just go over to the Facebook page, Endless Summer Quarterly Magazine, click on the About button, and it'll kind of pretty much tell you what you need to do next. If you want to go directly to our website, it's esquarterly.com, E-S-Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-Y.com. Now we are in the process uh, of getting a new website updated and we hope to have it up very soon certainly by the end of june if not sooner and it'll be mobile friendly and all that good stuff so that'll be nice and it'll have lots of surprises on there and it'll be mobile friendly too because right now it's kind of a relic (laughs) well thanks for tuning in and again as i said i wanted to just kind of close things out with jerry uh, he's been such an integral part of the beach boys history if you if you know i mean we've heard him talk about elvis today and how that experience led to this new album what Jerry has, uh, for those who don't know, uh, you know, Don and I touched on it briefly. I shared that part of the interview. You know, Jerry is kind of the Beach Boy savant, and I, and I don't use that, although Don and I kind of were lightheartedly, you know, talking about that, I don't use that uh, lightly. Uh, Jerry truly is uh, the kind of guy that you, that you want to have your back. And um, it's been my experience, and I, I had the good pleasure of meeting Jerry for the first time in Nashville at uh, Masterphonic Studio back in, I believe, oh, February of 1998, early February, when Brian Wilson was working on his Imagination album. <laughs> and uh, it was a classic first meeting. Yeah, so I'll tell you about this real quick, and then we'll, let, we'll close out the show with Jerry. Uh, Jerry was walking with his Orville Redenbacher uh, bag of popcorn. I had no idea who he was. And I was sitting with my friend Lee Dempsey, and Lee whispers in my ear, do you know who that is? And I, I said, no, I, you know, I just, and he walked into the booth and uh, he walked up and I stood up to introduce myself. And, Hi, I'm David Beard with Endless Summer Quarterly. And Jerry said to me in that wonderful voice of his, you have a familiar face. And we've been buddies ever since. <laughs> so here he is. Here's Jerry to kind of take you through the rest of the experience and, and kind of explain all of it, you know, why he felt that this project was a good idea, and who better. So here you go. Here's Jerry Schilling. Thanks for tuning in. I really trusted uh, Don and Nick uh, because suppose I put this project out there and the Beach Boys really thought their music had been tampered with and not complimentary. Uh, that would have been like the worst creative decision <laughs> in my career, maybe. Mm. Uh, the fact that they love it uh, makes all the work that we've been doing in, over the last year and a half all work all worthwhile. You y- know? Yes. Yeah, and I would think from the arrangement standpoint, the track standpoint, that the one who would be most sensitive and aware would be Brian, because he, he came up with those arrangements all those years ago, and it sounds like Nick, Don and Nick have just really, they, they sound like they're really true music lovers, because it's just not, you know, it doesn't feel like it's, 
It just feels like they've made something pretty. If, if it's a song that's pretty, they've made it sound prettier. If not, I don't know. Prettier is the right word, but as beautiful, if not a little bit more so. Yeah, I think that's well put. And uh, my initial uh, response from Brian after he heard it, uh, I got a text, and he said, "Brilliant." Uh, so um, that was a big sigh of relief that Brian, Mike, and Al all—they uh, all loved it, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, if I would have got an indifference or uh, whatever the producers had gotten, uh, it just—it it would have been one of those things that how could you ever make up for that? Yeah. Gone through, uh, David, uh, situations when I used to be on the board of Elvis Presley Enterprises. And I know there's some pure Elvis fans, you know, uh, pure diehard. There's some pure diehard Beach Boy fans that, and I have even in, in a certain way at times in my life put myself in that same situation. Don't, you know, don't mess up a beautiful creation. So as time went on and I saw some rare successes in those areas and that I could see, like like my friend Elvis, 30 years later with a remix, climb up the charts his music, I know he would have liked that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that started making me open to something that normally I wouldn't be. And that's what made me going through, even before the Royal Philharmonic albums, other situations with Elvis, whether it was uh, a little less conversation or, and believe me, there's a lot of things that were brought up that would not have been good. Mm-hmm. Uh for his music, just as the Beach Boys. But going through the process, getting to know the producers, uh, seeing the audience's reaction to original tracks from years ago with a contemporary orchestra and rhythm section and vocals, I pretty much, and we got to see now what the success level is, but I pretty much thought we had a win-win. I think already from the reaction domestically and internationally, from the marketing plan, I think we're already successful. Now we just got to uh, get the results. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, uh, Rolling Stones already put a positive quote out. And, and there's probably other stuff I haven't even caught up with. But I think we're going to be well-received. More important to me was the Beach Boys and their families like the idea and love what they've heard. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, if nothing else, I'm okay. 